most important thing I want to carry with me is my hippie thing. The hip, the free love thing. I think it's important as, as, as I said, as Pollyanna as it is, there's something to it. And I, I just, you know, if this is my last day, I want to know that I try to be a good person. That was San Francisco native Daryl Lim. I'm Jeff, and this is Story at San Francisco. Every week on this podcast, we bring you bartenders, musicians, poets, and other San Franciscans talking about living, working, and doing their thing here. It's a way to get to know your neighbors. Welcome to episode 43, part two. In part one, Daryl talked about growing up in North Beach. In this podcast, he walks us through the AIDS epidemic, from its mysterious first appearances in San Francisco through living with the disease today. Here's Daryl. It's very much a part of like my life as a San Franciscan and also as a, a gay man who went through it from the beginning, from the late 70s all the way until the cocktail. And now we have, you know, prep, which has basically kept things which has changed everything mm-hmm. and it, it worries me a little bit but you know but we're just human and we're just trying to figure it out I think but it it, it it's basically completely molded the how I live and how I think um, my how I deal with grief because at the height of it I've lost an entire phone book of friends. Right. And I was, and then we talk, my friends of mine who are survivors who know about it, we talk about things like how we were afraid to call people at a certain point. Because back in the day, back in the old day, when, when it was happening, and there was no research, drugs or anything, and Reagan could barely even talk, say, he wouldn't even mention it at all. But people were dying within three to six months. From, from diagnosis. I remember Star Pharmacy, which is Walgreens now in the Castro, and they, when it first happened, they had this little sign on the, on the door with pictures, and they said, if you see this, go see your doctor. You may have this thing that's spreading through the community. And, and back then, it was more... It was hard because it was in your face. You could see it walking down the street. You could see it even when you... I remember walking down... Market Street in front of what's um, Bloomingdale's now and you could see certain people walking by and you knew because their head it would it wasn't just the disease visually but it was the soul of the person you know and what's interesting is like before it happened it was really wild here but it was innocent and it was sweet now, I, now I don't want to say sweet it was a gr- it was kind of out there but it was it was just, I, re, I remember just, you know, San Francisco was all into exploration about who you were and why you came to San Francisco. It was like, what's her name from Wizard of Oz? You know, Judy Garland's character? Dorothy. It was like Dorothy coming, like, to the big city, you know, and it's like, and there were more than munchkins here, I tell you, <laughs> you know. And it, it was it was wild, and it really I saw people when they would first come, and then after they would stay a while, 
and then the end result after, after, which sometimes was good and sometimes was really sad because people were looking for something they think and they didn't know what it was. But there's something that happens out of 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 freedoms, and it's good and it's and it's 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 not good and it's not bad. It's somewhere it's. It really says a lot about who you are, you know, in the end, what comes of it after you've experienced everything. Because mm-hmm. the city was like, it was everything. And AIDS was very pervasive in like bringing all that out, the negative and the positive. But it also brought out a lot of negatives with people. It made you afraid. I was afraid no one would hire me ever again. Or, or, or like people wouldn't come to see me because I, they thought I would, you know, and people would like were acting really weird. No one would kiss. No one would even kiss you on the cheek anymore. And people were friends were acting weird, you know. And they didn't mean it. They were just everybody was so afraid. Like people were afraid to drink out of my glass, or, or, or when they washed the dishes, they would hold the bottom of the glass and bring it over to the hot water. And and, and I saw it. And people, it was just it was like this really scary thing. And I was traveling at that time between here and New York. And I saw it in both places. But I also saw the good that came out of it was like the GMHC, which was a gay men's health crisis, which basically, if you had, if you had HIV or AIDS, they would, just, they would just take you by the hand and help you out. And then here in San Francisco, we had a lot of, there was just a lot of small grassroots groups that sprung out of really kind of, um, free clinics like the free clinic in Berkeley the Hate Street Free Clinic Carlos Santana he worked with the, the Latino community but he also funneled money into the into Hate Street Free Clinic and all those people sprung out and then General were the, were, was the place that basically just they were in the trenches and it was amazing and the people that are still alive that the nurses that are still alive they're amazing we talk about it We it's just it's it's wild. It's We've had a, one of them on our, our podcast, a guy yeah, named Ed Wolf. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's something though, you know yeah. that that whole period, you know, and to have come out of it on the other end is interesting. Yeah, you know, well, because there was such a period of uncertainty. Yeah, uncertainty. About the disease itself, and then the stigma in society that you talked about, and the stigma that still exists it because still exists, now. Yeah. Not only do we have the stigma of that, but the stigma now, it's scary to be to be gay or transgender or anything now in this country because you're just being, you know, and this is what I don't like, the whole thing with religion, and this is why religion is so destructive, is they use it to judge you, to take you down and make you inhuman and make you be judged by everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I just... And I, I just hate it right now. This, the racism and the and the homophobia, and the everything is being turned into a way of untruths, and yet they're being being turning it around and being turning it around and being passive aggressive with it. They're using people as symbols instead yes. of instead of as people. Yeah, people are seen as symbols of. I just, I just, you know, I thought something good would, I think some things 
came out of the, the AIDS crisis that were really good because the things that came out to that came from it were that we needed to help each other because nobody else was. And you saw that here. Oh, a lot. I saw, but I also saw the ugly side, which was families who who basically disowned their kids, and when they knew they were dying, they would come and take all their valuables, and then leave them and still call them names and still be horrible. And that was horrible. But then I saw the other side also were our family of friends that really came together to help each other out to the end. And there were people were really there. I mean, I really saw it. And also in the midst of it, there was like people helped each other, you know, and people will judge people for saying this. But we had, um, I'd been to several at that time, and this was maybe in the early 80s when people were really dying and suffering. We would have a party to say goodbye to somebody and people would figure out how to help somebody pass. Let's put it that way. And it would be nurse, people in the health field that would, and the people, the community, we figured it out and we would, it would be really gentle and beautiful and we would, we would talk about, we would have a party and the whole thing was dying on your own terms. Yes, dying on your own terms. Which is how I've heard it for, you know. And it, and it wasn't it wasn't like organized, it wasn't organization. You didn't have to go to Oregon or Seattle or It was illegal. Or Holland and, and and it was yeah. and it was totally illegal. But but it's dignified. People were people were su- were suffering and and they wanted to, people wanted to go with dignity a little bit left, especially when it came out in the beginning. People really were judged so much. I mean, especially, God, those fucking televangelists and shit. I couldn't believe the shit they would say. Just like, really? And some of these kids were really came, the people that really suffered the most, I really saw it emotionally, were like the people in very heavy organized religion, like, the televangelists, the Baptists, the Pentecostals. It just was terrible. I mean, it's I, a different version of that today, yeah. blaming wildfires or hurricanes or yeah. whatever. It's and, you know, but I saw, like, like Catholic priests who wouldn't give last rice to, to, to boys because they were going to hell anyway. You know, I was like, really? And they asked for it. So there are really... Even in conservative organizations, I've even met Baptist ministers who are very left-leaning. So everyone, there's, there, there are misfits everywhere that, you know, are good people. So it's not, I don't, but the religion in, its, in all of its formal, in its form, the forms that they, the conservative forms, it's destructive. And it's, it does terrible things to certain people, you know, that, because you, you don't fit into a compartment or a box God doesn't love you, and I, I just don't think that way, you know? I just, I can't see it like that. I don't think, I think we as human beings think that because we need to fit in a box, but I just think fitting in any box is destructive. But it brought out the very similar thing that's happening now with this president, which is, um, I saw people that I, I really respected, I thought, and, 
and and they would just out of their mouth they would say well this is what they they deserve it you know this is god's wrath i was like it was constant and and you know i had to hand it to you know gay people really i don't want to say that you know i don't want to put us on a pedestal or anything or any that we suffer anymore but but you know there's something that happens when people are constantly telling you that you're disgusting that what you do is unnatural that that you you've chosen it it's just like how would you like somebody to talk to you like that like it's just that's one thing i just it just pisses me off it's like you don't know my experience you don't know where it came from did i choose it i don't thinks I just no I don't think that's how it works did you choose to be straight I mean really I mean it's it's what you know desire is an interesting thing and I don't you know where it comes from your hormones they say all kinds of things but I just don't like people if you don't really do you really know do you really know where it all comes from really I mean come on talk, think about I think about these things on my own, you know, and it's but I thank the city. And I came back here originally because my 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 dad was sick and my mom was getting they were everybody's getting older. But my sister was here and I just if I was if I knew I didn't have that much time, I said what did I want to do and I was living in Paris and Montreal at the time and then I said I don't want to be here because there's nobody of there's this is not no matter how long I live here I'll never be this will never be where my family is and my mom was still alive and and there was a possibility I wasn't going to be living anymore and I said I want to I want to die in San Francisco but instead of dying I I've I've come back alive again and it's out of love and it's what I needed that saved my life here which is my my mom saved my life now I'm going to cry when did you move back the last like you know you've been here since now. I've been here I know you've been in your place like 20 20 years or something more than 20 years oh, I moved um, I moved into that apartment a year after the earthquake in 90 90 and have you so you've been here ever since 90 90 oh 28 years jeez you know and I didn't when I originally came and moved out of the apartment I wasn't supposed to be, I, they said I would die at any time, but at that time, I had unction, I had unction, which is last rites three times, wow. and, you know, I'm 170 pounds now, and I was 89 pounds when I was living at my mom's, and, and I was afraid to sleep sometimes, because I was afraid I wouldn't wake up, it was the weirdest thing, I remember that vividly. But I didn't, I knew something, something stirred inside of me that I didn't want to die. So I just kind of locked it down and I've been in, working in health and, and the skincare thing. Basically, I knew a lot about, I worked in, as a uh, buyer for nutrition for these health food stores. And I had all these, I've also gone around the world and seen healers and things. And that's why it, actually I moved to to Switzerland for school, but I actually went to Paris. I moved to Paris because they had the best AIDS clinic at the time. And I got a little bit of 
I, I stayed there because I loved it, but I also stayed there because of the, the medical thing. But then after a while, they didn't have anything coming. And the thing that was coming was what was happening in San Francisco at UC. And, there, and then when the cocktails happened, I waited a while. I should have done it sooner, but I waited a while because I wanted to make sure that it was going to work. And, and then I had a really good doctor. And then I also... Um, before that, there wasn't really anything I used... A lot of the French, a lot of the um, the French clinic gave, did some medications, but they really, basically, just saw how what was happening to my system. But also, I was working with an osteopath in France, and also somebody in who they use homeopathy. And I went to a Chinese doctor there too. And basically, before the the cocktails happened, I used a lot of Chinese medicine. It didn't cure me, but what it did was it. I think it kept me alive during that period because there wasn't anything else. And, but I came back and it, and I almost was ready to go. And I, I asked my mom, I said, I, I don't want to, I don't want to die alone. You know, San Francisco has been good to me because I'm not going to say it's not non-judgmental. Trust me, it can be too. You know, people think, oh, San Francisco, it's all so liberal. They're full of gay people and they're just, everybody's doing anything they want. It's not like that. It wouldn't function if it was like that. We have, we have structure and thoughts and, you know, maybe not all, all of it works, but we're, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to make it work. And I think the most important thing, my sister, my sister and me, my older sister and me say this all the time, because all these people are like so mad because it's so expensive here and everybody's leaving. And my whole thing is like, one of my friends who has a, a bakery on the corner down here, um, the redhead, what's her name? She's a 20th, 21st century bakery or cafe. She does all these um, old bakery recipes from like the 20s and 30s. Like she makes this 11 layer honey cake and and anyway, she makes all these things and she, she she's really, she has worked really hard. She worked as a hostess and, and wait person at range and then she saved her money. She meets people. And now she opened this cafe, which is, she's working seven days a week. And she's, she does a lot of it herself because she, you know, it's hard to find help that wants to do it because she's very finicky and, and fussy and very wants things to be right. And she's, she's created this place and it's, but she's, I was talking to her, like, I don't think I can stay here. It's so expensive. And she goes, don't leave. Everybody is leaving, and that's what we don't need. Is like everybody's leaving that is interesting. And people that don't understand the city are coming here, and all they have is their youth and their money, but they, have no, they haven't developed their ideas yet. And so we're dealing with like this very, this kind of palette of blandness or like an empty canvas. Like, you know, when you're 20, it's like there's not a whole lot going on yet. You're just molding and trying. But you don't have an idea of yourself. You're taking more than giving a lot Yeah, of you're taking, exactly. And, and it's, just, it's just hard to see. It's just like they, you, when you go, I go to North Beach and sit, I have all my old friends who are still there. And they're all getting older. But I also see these young people that, need, that are wanting to come to the cafe and talk to people like, what are you doing? And that's what's going to be interesting. 
What's not interesting is the people that are living in that area who look at everybody like there's some ornamentation that's, or dinosaurs that are going to die out. And what are you going to be left with? You know, people who are complicit and have, haven't developed who they are or their personalities or have an opinion. Because when you're 20, you don't have an opinion yet. You know, and it's not like I'm, I'm being ageist. It's just there are stages in life that happen to people. And, you know, who I was at 20 is not who I am now at 57. You know? And I love, and I embrace that now. You know, it's like it's, you know, I've come out of it and I, I, don't, I don't look too bad for it, ragged for it. You know, but, but I still have hope and I still love living. Check back next week to hear from San Francisco Giants Executive Vice President of Communications, Stacy Slaughter. Music for this episode is by Otis McDonald, a.k.a. Joe Bigale. Film photography for the podcast is by Michelle Kilfeather. Please follow Storied San Francisco on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Find all the episodes, photos of storytellers, and our store, where you can buy shirts, hats, and koozies, over on our website, storiedsf.com. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Send comments and suggestions to storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.